So if you could be here around nine, that would be great. Okay. Well, listen here. Hello, and welcome to 90 Day Fiance MK Classic Edition. I'm Mr. O, and today, Miss H and I will be discussing Season 1, Episodes 9 and 10 of Before 90 Days. In this episode, Paul and Carini confront crimes committed by Paul and against Carini. Larry embarrasses Jenny with his eating habits. Jesse needs assurances from Darcy. Antonio checks out basically every woman in Malaga. Patrick keeps trying hit to nice guy his way out of Miriam's friend zone, and Chris effortlessly blows Sean and Abby's relationship out of the water. As always, we'll end with our students of the week, class dunces, and life lessons. If you like what you hear, please support us by leaving a five-star rating and subscribing. While we'll cover these classic episodes, we'll also be covering the current season every Monday. Next week, we'll be covering episodes 11 and 12, which you can watch on Hulu or Discovery+. Plus. All right, thanks for listening. Stay safe and enjoy. Hello, Mr. O. Hello, Miss H. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm, I'm really enjoying these older seasons that go so quick. Like the things are actually happening right now. Yeah. Now it might be because I'm watching two episodes in a row, but I feel like they don't drag out like the new episode, like the new seasons do. Well, we might be watching two episodes in a row, but how is that all that different from, you know, our two hour episodes we traditionally get anyway on the regular 90 Day Fiance or the current ones? Yeah, the current ones are, it's two hours that goes on for like 20 weeks, right? And yeah. This is the two hours is going to last like we're wrap, getting ready to wrap this thing up here soon. You know, just cut. There's like five or six weeks, and boom. So I yeah. mean, the seasons seem a lot more dynamic because there's a lot more that happens in a shorter amount of time. Right. And well, and also a lot of these are over a much shorter period of time as well, because I think the longest we have is Darcy and Jesse that uh, she's there for six weeks. But everyone else, yes. it seems like it's only a couple of weeks. So I, f- right. I feel like they really have to draw content from, you know, a short amount of time. But it's been drama-filled no matter what. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. All right. So, speaking of drama, where do you want to start? Uh, I will – let's start Let's start with Paul and Carini. Oh, God. Right. Yep. Speaking of drama. That's, that one was very heavy on the drama. And yes, so, it was. So, Paul and Carini are going around to see the city of Manaus on rollerblades, which Paul says he's tried unsuccessfully once before. So, it's pretty obvious based on how clumsily he starts moving. In separate interviews, uh, they both confirmed that, you know, after the, te- after the STD test, they became intimate and they both giggle about it. Now that that hurdle is clear, um, Karini is becoming concerned that the marriage proposal has not happened yet. Back in their little resort, which has a zoo attached, they sit and talk through the translator app, of course, and she directly a- asks him why he hasn't discussed marriage yet. And he blames his past relationships. Paul says to us that if he wants to move forward now, he'll have to share the big secret from his past. And in the past, whenever he's shared this secret with anyone, the woman he's dating breaks up with him almost immediately. So later on as they're walking, they sit to talk about Paul's dirty secret from the past. It's, you know, something we already know, but he's been to prison. He explains to her in English, even though she doesn't understand it, that he has a lengthy record and he's been locked up for numerous things. Specifically, he tells us that he was accused of arson on his own house and spent 18 months in jail for that. So it's less like accused and more like convicted. <laughs> he also has a restraining he also has a restraining order from his ex-girlfriend. Karini just says, "Oh my god, a couple a bunch of times." And before she really can actually vocalize anything about it, he feels guilty because Karini doesn't deserve damaged goods. So, he takes his phone back and just walks off. Talking to producers, Karini asks if he's even telling the truth because she has no idea about any of this. Paul's walk turns into a run as soon as he gets out of eyesight of Karini and then he just sprints (laughs) into the woods. What the hell is wrong with him? (laughs) Karini tries to follow him after he literally just ran into the woods but can't find him. She's worried because it's a dangerous area and Paul is an obvious target. She ends up traipsing across a field, over a fence, and onto the banks of some dirty river, 
that Paul is about to jump into because he feels like it's the only escape from Karini, I guess. Oh my I don't know. God, but it's tough. After all that, he's like, I don't care about the, the penis bugs. I will jump into this river. I know, right? She wants to calm him down, but can't because of a language barrier. But he also, um, but when she reaches for the translator app, he actually physically restrains her from reaching, from getting the phone. Eventually, he relents and they talk. He says that she doesn't deserve him, but Karini says she doesn't care about his past and they should get back. She tries to physically push him back in the right direction and says that in Portuguese that she hates him before leaving him on his own. <laughs> the first of many. <laughs> I know. She says that that's, that's like, I love you and I hate you all the time. Mm-hmm. Anyway, on her way back to safety, a man with a machete steals Karini's <laughs> cell phone. And wow. there are gunshots in the distance. As she cries and walks away, she says that she doesn't want to be with Paul anymore. After that incident, when Karini went back – after Karini went back to the hotel, the crew tried to find Paul, which turned out to be more difficult than anticipated. He says that he pulled back out of fear and the producers tell him what happened. So now he has the guilt of leaving her alone to deal with that on top of everything else. Karini is gathering her things and staying with a friend tonight instead of at the hotel. We see Karini leave the hotel saying she doesn't want to hear from Paul anymore and she blames him for what happened today, since it all started with him walking away. The next day, a guilty-feeling Paul gets in a taxi and goes to her friend's place to apologize. She comes out to meet him and tells him, start talking. He apologizes for the previous night, and she tells him he needs to learn to have a conversation and not run away like a child. Huh. At this point, she wants some more explanation about this criminal record, if there's any hope to move forward. He now thinks that maybe this is something that he should have done, you know, talking to her about this before randomly running away to the woods. He explains that, you know, he was accused of burning his own personal property and that he was jailed for it. In an interview, he clarifies that his last breakup put him on a downward spiral that ended with him attempting arson on his own house for the purposes of insurance fraud. Additionally, his ex took out restraining – he and his ex took out restraining orders on each other. He kind of sits in silence and hopes that she'll be – that Karini will be able to deal with everything and they can move on. All right. So, Paul says he feels guilty that he like wasn't there when she was robbed by the machete. Oh, my guy. gosh. But yeah. would Paul have helped at all if no. she if the machete guy was there? He said – he's like, oh, I could have like fought or defended her. It's like Paul is fighting or defending no one. Nothing. Like what? What would you have done? I feel like he would have just made the situation worse by panicking. Right. I mean, it's one of those things. It's unfortunate, but I mean, that's if something if that happens, Karini did exactly the right thing. You just give the guy the phone and he runs away. Like that's that's it. Like that. That's what you're supposed to do. I do kind of wonder, not that Paul is like a huge physical presence, but maybe uh, she wouldn't have been targeted if there were two of them. Because, you know, you don't really know. Yeah, just strength in numbers. Well, I mean, she was with the whole camera crew, though. Yeah, I know. (laughs) You would think that they would do something. Like, they seem really committed to that whole, like, observe and report, but do nothing, right? Oh, my God, he's going to be. I mean, things like that, they always happen way faster than people imagine them happening in their heads, right? Sure. Right? That's certainly a thing around. around gun culture in the in the US is I need my gun mm-hmm. because I can protect my family and it's like I'm always just like I don't think you would man it like things happen so fast that I don't know that you know a lot of people would even be able to react with anything but like is this really happening did that really happen like you yeah. know um it, especially things that are unexpected I know it was like that actually um for me when there was the one time you can say this for California the one time I've been in an earthquake <laughs> there was a random small earthquake here and it was just like – I remember when it happened, I was just like, my god, it's an earthquake. <laughs> Can you guys believe it? It's an earthquake. Like it was like it was like surreal. Duck and cover or something? Yep. <laughs> oh, was person, it too small? One person did that. No, no, no. I mean it wasn't too small because you never know if it starts off small. You never know what's gonna ha- if it's going to get bigger, right? So you need to be yeah. down. It was just – literally everybody was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then it was, and then it was over. I have one kid who, like, literally one kid who dove under the the table next to me, and he was like, yeah. And afterwards, I was like, actually, that was probably what we all should have done. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you guys even do earthquake drills at all? No, no. 
Okay, so we do earthquake drills, so we know what we're supposed to do. So that's why it's like, yeah, you're just stuck in cover. And you're supposed no. to also hold on, by the way, because if you hold, you know, especially oh, like, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, if at high school, the desk. moving the things, the yeah. desks. Yeah, you want to stay under it. Yeah, no, I mean, it's just like, it's just like, because for me, it was just like a three-step process. I was like, oh, there's a truck driving by outside. Like, that's what, mm-hmm. it, that's what, it, that's what it, at first, and I was like, that doesn't make any sense. There's not a road outside of my room. And then I was like, <laughs> oh, wait, it's an earthquake. And I was just, I literally looked up to my students. I was taking attendance. I was like, guys, it's an earthquake. And <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> they're probably like, you're crazy. <laughs> you seem, you seem really excited about this earthquake, Mr. <laughs> no, I mean, people were, it was a bit of a thing. Like, we, I mean, we had tornado drills, I guess, but you get more warning for those. Like, yeah, we've know. never had a tornado drill. If for some bizarro reason we had tornado, we would probably all be doing the same thing. Like, huh? I think it's a tornado. <laughs> yes, exactly. What do we do? I have no idea. Then some kid who moved from the Midwest, they'd probably have to lead us. I don't like, know. Guys, go into the hallway. You don't, I don't even know what you guys would do because you don't have hallways. Uh, oh. Well, I personally do because um, I'm an inside class, but most of our, most of our classroom, in fact, probably – 90 i think i might i i might be the only classroom that's on the inside and it's because i'm inside a media center but everyone else you're right has uh their doors open up to the outside that's what we do we go into an interior hallway where there's no windows and then like crouch next to the lockers oh so then we wouldn't have to do anything because i don't even have any i have zero windows in my classroom yeah windows are the most important thing you'd be fine but you would still want to get away from the walls anyway yeah. Back to Paul and Karini. <laughs> oh, goodness. Big, big, big uh, thing there. Like, seriously, what is wrong with this guy? Yeah, yeah, right? So, this is the first time. Well, no, I, I guess it isn't the first time. But this is the most extreme we've seen this behavior. You've seen him, you know, rocking back and forth in the doghouse. Yeah, and I, fe- I feel like one of the first – one of the very first episodes I, I, I um, watched, he was living with Karini in Brazil – and something, yeah. yeah, the doghouse. And he ran in the doghouse. You're right. Yeah. Yes. And he was like rocking back and forth like, uh, yes. and he repeated something like, don't make me do this. Don't make me do this or something. And he was uh-huh. doing the same thing. Like, don't make me like swim in this water. Don't make me go in there. Don't make me go in there. It's like, okay, crazy. Oh my goodness. But it's just, I love how his whole sense of danger is completely gone when he gets in this mode. Right, because before, yeah. it's like, he would never have gone running through the woods, go think about swimming. Like, what are you doing? Right. I mean, he was, we, we saw him, you know, put on his full body condom to go right. swim before. And he's literally about to jump in this dirty ass river full of crap with a strong current. Like, he would have yeah. gotten carried away by that current. Like, and and he was ready to do it, ready to run across this gang-infested area where people are getting robbed of their cell phones. Right. Honestly, his reaction to these kinds of things, to me, make it very believable that he did something like arson. Right? Yes. If he just gets in one of those kinds of, like, uh, upset modes that he's in, like, burning something down, like, repeating, like, crazy stuff to himself the entire time. It just doesn't make any – I mean, it, it, it makes – I mean, it totally makes sense. Oh, I'm really uncomfortable here. I just need to get away. Yeah. But, like, to go across the way or go behind the building, it's the part where he then sprints into the woods. Yes. Like, what, that's the part. It's like, why did – I don't even understand where that thought came from. Right. And what are you trying to do exactly? And then he can't be reasoned with because, you know, he's not even letting Karini have the translator app. Like, it just makes no sense. Okay. Speaking of things that make no sense, she says something at the beginning of the episode saying like, oh, I want Paul to propose. I'm wondering if he's going to propose to me on this trip. It's like, how is she so desperate for Paul to propose to her? Like, I don't, I don't get it. She doesn't really seem like she loves him all that much. I mean, to me, her I hate you's seem way more believable than anything nice she says to him. Yes. I mean, I think she likes the idea of, like, she has the, likes the idea of marriage and she feels like she should be married and she wants to be married. And this is the guy who's doing it right now. So, guess that's it, you know? 
I do think she is attracted to him. Like she's even said, you know, she likes guys with uh, light hair and like light eyes. And so, I mean, Paul fits that description. And I don't know how many other Brazilians she's meeting that, you know, fit that description. So I think that might be part of it. I do genuinely think she thinks he's physically attractive. um, But I don't think she likes any other part of him. She doesn't. I don't. I don't know what it is. She she likes about his personality or anything like that. It's no, just, she, she thinks he's like weird. She doesn't. His personality. She doesn't. Yeah. It, it's it's unusual. Yeah. And okay. How did she get another phone so quickly? I wonder if they recovered the phone that she got stolen. Because that was oh, the gunshots. Right. Was the police were going in there? It looks like they were to trying get... to pursue those guys. Oh. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe they should get it back right away. Yeah, because next thing you know, she's at the hotel and she has a phone and she's oh, calling she a friend. Oh, she has a phone. Right, that's yeah. true. Hmm, interesting. I don't know if she bought another one. That's see things I didn't things I don't I don't know or we don't know how long how much long there was between those two things either. Yeah, but I mean, it was night. Yeah, I don't know. How easy is it for you to like go and get a new phone at night? I don't know. Oh, in the yeah. house, I don't know. Yeah. All right. So moving on to uh, let's cover Patrick and Miriam. So Patrick is trying to get his fitness on, hoping his hot body will tip the scales in his favor with Miriam. Patrick meets up with Miriam and practices his French with her and tells her she's beautiful. She thinks that he wants more friends and she seems to be oblivious to Patrick trying to impress her with all his flips all over the city. Miriam admits to producers that her boyfriend knows about Patrick, and he doesn't like her spending time with him. Patrick wonders why the boyfriend doesn't seem to care that she's hanging out with him. Miriam asks Patrick what American women are like. Patrick says that women just seem to get mad. Miriam tells Patrick that her boyfriend is just 23, and French men don't want to get serious until their late 20s. Miriam admits that she thinks she might want more of a commitment than he does. Miriam says that when they're together, she feels connected, but when they are apart, she can really feel the distance, and she wonders why he doesn't just check in every once in a while. Patrick tries to play the nice guy and advises her that maybe, you know, her boyfriend's unsure and thinking about what else is out there. They are both sharing about their feelings, and they both start crying as they feel their emotions. Patrick says he will send her a message every day just to show you, just to show her that he cares. Miriam is definitely being won over and is starting to question her choices, uh, like why is she with her boyfriend and not Patrick? All right, so if you were Miriam's boyfriend and not wanting to be fully committed, how would you feel about you know what is happening? Her friendship with Patrick. I mean, I in in theory wouldn't be against her having a friend like Patrick. In practice, Patrick is trying to steal her from me. Yeah. Um, so I'm a little bit more upset about that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. But then at the same time, like Miriam's kind of saying that you know, like sh- maybe it's French men. May- I, honestly, I don't even want to say French men. I feel like men are like that, right? Yeah, men in their early twenties, they're just like, eh, you know. Not necessarily thinking about marriage or family. I, I definitely think it tends to be a class thing, right? I think mm-hmm. I think high like men, ed- educated class men tend to put off that stuff a little bit later um, than some working yeah. class men. There was an interesting um, research study that they said that um, uh, the average is most people tend to get married about two years after their highest degree. So if you're uh, high school, that would put you at about 20, 21. If you're in college, that pushes it out to about 23, 24. 24 and if you went yeah. to grad school, that extends it even further. So that sounds about right. I, I, I can mm-hmm. I can buy that. So, but but then that the, 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 you throw education into it, it's not. And then it's not really about like it's about like establishing yourself and having your own life, mm-hmm. and not about like. I don't know. I just wanted to mess around and party for some lo- for longer until I settled yeah. down. Which is, I don't know, but that's what it seems like. She, her boyfriend, is into or it that, but I don't know. It totally seems to me like one of those situations that you've talked about a lot, where she's gonna be this boyfriend's just gonna drag her around and like yank her mm-hmm. around and not commit. And then they're going to break up and like six months later, he's going to be like engaged to somebody else. Oh, God. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but it's it, – it, so, I mean, if I'm from the boyfriend's perspective though, 
yeah, I wouldn't like I wouldn't mind a friend hanging around this particular friend, even whether you want to commit or not. It's just like, dude, you can't like come and try to like take my girl, my woman away from me. What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, at the same time, I feel that if he feels secure about the relationship, he's like, you can try. Because, yeah. you know, when I was um, with uh, a boyfriend that I've had in the past uh, for about five years, there was very clearly this one friend I had that, you know, he st- we started to get closer because he was really into music. And so, like, I would invite him to my boyfriend's shows you know, uh-huh. and so we would hang out. And so, you know, while my boyfriend was playing, I would hang out with my friend. And uh, my boyfriend knew. He's like, he knew that this guy was into me and that he was, you know, trying to win me over. But he just, you know, I think he said something to me once. He's like, yeah, that guy like wants to date you. And I'm like, eh. And so, I mean, that was like the extent of our conversation. And I wouldn't have left my boyfriend for him. And, you know, my boyfriend didn't feel threatened at all by this guy so you know it wasn't like a thing so i mean i feel like if you have some level of security in your relationship it doesn't matter that you have like kind of these fringe characters trying to steal your girl because it just doesn't matter it doesn't result in anything i don't know i don't know that their relationship seems all that secure if he's like Right. That unwilling to commit. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's definitely like picking – he's picking at the right – he's picking at the right scab there. I didn't even think it was really – my impression wasn't that he was really fully committed. It, to me, it just seemed like kind of this immature, you know, like she didn't feel that he was that into her. You know, like I get right. what she's saying. You know, I've dated plenty of guys where it's like when you're actually together hanging out like on your date, it's like you feel like, oh, this person is really into me, you know, and then it's the time in between. I don't hear from you for a couple days, you know, stuff like that where it's just like, wait, what's going on? Yeah. Yeah. The thing where it's just like, yeah, when when you're – that's totally a type of person. I wouldn't even say Mm -hmm. guy who is less like – Whatever. And that it's kind of self-absorbed, self-centered. I'm just worried about the things that are in front of my face currently right now. Yeah. So, if, we, if you were in front of my face, then yes, I'm fully paying attention and this is great and amazing. But like I don't go out of my time. To- I don't go out of my way. I don't think of you outside of a day. I don't think, oh, I should text her and say good morning or, you know, oh, this thing made me – I saw this thing and it made me think of you and I – you yeah. we had talked about that earlier. Like and, and, to, and so, it is a self, self-absorbed type of type of thing. Yeah, I you know, it's something that I hope that guys start to grow out of a little bit. And I I say gender like guys, but I mean, people just in general, I feel like when you're a little bit older, you have a little bit more consideration for other people. Yeah, well, I, 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 I'm going to be honest, like it took getting divorced for me to do that, to be honest. <laughs> to have right? a little bit more consideration for yeah, other people. To be like, oh, maybe I should think about other people a little bit more. Huh. <laughs> Oh, yeah, there's other people in the world than just me. Yeah, look at that. Oh, man. And, like, their, their opinions can actually affect my life and everything. I oh, should... goodness. Yeah, I should probably try to make the other people happy. Exactly. That's or what I'm make saying. their day. Exactly. All right. Moving on to – oh, let's go to Larry and Jenny. This one annoyed me. Oh, you know yeah. how I am about this bike. Okay, so Larry sits down um, – with a dinner to with, to dinner with Jenny, and reminds us of his concern that Jenny is just using him, especially in light of what his cousin and his wife saw on their Facebook. He brings it up directly. So, are you talking to seven hundred guys on Facebook? And she says no. So they, then they move to the hotel room, and he keeps at it. He asks, "What was up with her being active on Filipino Cupid that night?" When he called her in the middle of the night, she then says, "Well, you know, I called so I could, you know." Log in to check on you, which is a different answer than the one she gave that night. Um, and she says, oh, when she said her phone accidentally logged in. And then she says, oh, well, yeah, that happens sometimes too. Then she <laughs> offers to show him the account. She has a ton of unopened inbox messages, but her last sent message was to Larry. So he decides that he trusts her now and is willing to put this all behind him. The next day, they're leaving Manila to go to Jenny's hometown. And he's hoping to get her father's blessing while they are there. 
Like at the airport, as they get closer, Larry gets more and more visibly anxious about the whole meeting. Larry's Tagalog is non-existent, so he says hellos to all of them in English. Jenny shows him around the house, which is shocking to Larry because it's just one big room with only one bed for the entire family. They sit down and talk to Papa because Jenny's mom is a domestic helper who lives in another country, and Jenny actually hasn't even seen her for three years. Her sister Rowena speaks pretty good English, even though when they speak, Larry starts slipping into that imitating people's limited English. That why I fly 40 hour. Like, oh, God. Oh, right? Uh, he, yeah. That's one of the more annoying habits of people on the show. Anyway, the dad, uh, Virgilio, sits just sits in silence as Larry awkwardly praises his goats. Virgilio <laughs> finally does speak and asks Larry what it is he likes about Jenny. His answer, like oh, like typically, doesn't really name anything specific, but yeah. at least it was about her as a person. I just like her because she's a good person and like, and not about what – but at least it was about her and not um, what she can offer him. So, you know, by this show, it's a solid – by this show's standards, it's a solid effort. So now he sees – now he sees the opportunity for to ask for the blessing. He does it like super casually and is the second guy this season to mimic putting a ring on his pointer finger instead of his oh ring finger. Oh, my God. Stupid. <laughs> Virgilio has his concerns that this is too soon and he needs to see them together and get to know him before he can give his blessing. He tells us that he was pretty shocked that, she, that he asked for um, her hand so soon and um, then Larry and Jenny leave. Larry now sets his sights on getting to know her family in just the few days that they have left. So later they're on their way back to the house for a big welcome dinner. And, you know, he thinks he's got to really impress everybody to make this whole thing work. So the dinner is basically a big pig roast, which they call Luchon. And Larry is immediately put off basically because the meat still looks like an animal. This is clearly a big expense for the family and they haven't done this kind of pig roast since Jenny was a kid. Larry is worried. He says he's not an adventurous eater and he's oh, consu- concerned that eating new and strange food will cause him intestinal distress, <laughs> which is not what he said. They give him the first plate of honor and he's frozen because he doesn't want to eat it. And now everyone is waiting for him to take the first bite before they're allowed to start eating. Uh, the plate he has really just looks like pork and fried rice. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> and all he does end up taking one reluctant bite before nervously passing the plate to Jenny. Virgilio is pretty disappointed since this meal was a huge financial and time commitment meant to be an, meant to be an honor for Larry. And it's very rude of him for tur- to turn down the food. Jenny in particular is mad and Larry doesn't seem to know why. Through a few language difficulties, she explains how rude it was for him to take one bite and then make a gross face and then tells him that her family is asking why he's acting like that. And she really doesn't have an answer to tell him. She just starts crying as Larry tries to think of solutions like, do we go back? Do I try to eat it now? She doesn't want to do either of those things and he feels pretty bad about the whole situation. So this – I mean we've had our shares of didn't like to eat the food. We had it with uh, what's it, Muhammad. Not Muhammad, yeah, um, not as in Nicole and as in, right, but mm-hmm. she just wanted to eat mac and cheese. Yeah. But this literally was pork and fried rice. No, like- yes. <laughs> like crazy. I get it that, you know, it's a little off-putting for us in America to see faces. <laughs> yes. But at the same time, it's kind of like, yeah, the end product, it's not like they chopped off the head and stuck it on a plate and were asking you to eat head cheese. Like they just said, you know, like they – it, you were right. It looked like just meat and rice on a just, plate. It just looked like pulled pork. Like it didn't look like it, it just – It did. Yeah, it was super rude. And I also understand as someone who also has a very sensitive digestive system that, you know, you would be concerned. But, okay, once again, we're just talking about pork and rice here. And then, two, right. if you're that concerned, if you're – because, like, for me, I know that that's a problem that I can occasionally have – um, when eating like unknown kinds of foods, I just come prepared, right? With the medication. He brought a whole suitcase full of God knows what. There's Ricola in there for the love of God. So <laughs> right. it's like you couldn't throw in like a bottle of Pepto. Yeah. Like seriously. Like, I mean, yeah. And it depends on how long you're going to be there. I don't know. This is something that I generally don't overly worry about, like the mm-hmm. intestinal distress thing. Because it just is. Like, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's, it's never been stomach. a problem for me. So <laughs> Yeah, sure. Right. And so, like, that's not a thing. But it's just, I couldn't get, 
Because it's something that drives me crazy. And the, the, it's not only that he didn't want to eat it because it's almost like he was like, ooh, can I pretend like I'm Muslim or something and just be like, oh, sorry, I don't eat pork. But like it, it, she was right. It wasn't just the fact that he didn't really eat much of it. It was the mm-hmm. fact that he like ate it and it was like – Made a made, face. Like, this, yeah. Made a face. Like which I feel like – come on. You're not a child. You can control your face when you eat something. And not make a gross face at, at, at the food that everyone's enjoying. I would say that I am a picky eater in that I preferred certain kinds of foods, but I am really good. And this has to do with the fact that I never really enjoyed my mom's cooking growing up. I am very good at shoveling down food that I don't like <laughs> and pretending that I like it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So like I had a an ex where his mom was like very health conscious. So she would kind of make things that were like vegetarian, vegan kind of and she'd sure. always do substitutes for things like you know it's just like no keep in the butter that's what makes it good so there were plenty of things i would have to eat when i was over you know at their house and i would just be like oh it's so good and be to the point where my ex was like oh we should make this at home and i'd be like no no we're not making but um you know i think it doesn't take a lot and some people like yeah they're just big babies it's like it's just polite and i think food is so ingrained in so many cultures that it's something yeah. You just kind of have to – you just have to go along with it. It's just – yeah, it's respect. Like I get what Jenny was saying. Totally agree. And it's like – well, the, and the other thing too is because you said you're somewhat picky. I am a, not a picky eater at all. <laughs> I am the I am the least picky eater of – I think literally anybody I know. I will eat anything you put in front <laughs> of my face. Um, and like so it just it, – so picky eating just – it just – I can't – it doesn't make sense to me. It just doesn't comport with the way I, I know you get I frustrated just, with your daughters because they're very oh God, like – They write picky. off food. And so yes. that's the thing with me is I'm I'm a picky eater, but it, I, I am kind of an adventurous eater. I like to try things. So even if, you know, it seems kind of weird – I've eaten some weird stuff, you know, like – yeah, I've eaten some weird stuff. Uh, but, you know, it's like I always want to try it and sometimes I'm surprised. Like I do like it. Like I wouldn't have thought that I would like escargot, but I really <laughs> love it. It's really good, you know. But it sounds really disgusting, you know. You're like, oh, it's snails. But yeah, but it's it's really good. And like I'll always try something, you know, and just to say I've tried it. Like I'm one of those people. Like uh-huh. even if I don't like it, just to say I've tried it, like I'll try it. You know, I have I my list of foods that I do not like is very very short, and so like oh. th- so to me, where it's like somebody not only will they not um, to not want to try it at all, and, and, and yeah, that just doesn't make any sense to me, and like especially to be like to the point where like you're you're anxious about eating it. That's oh, it just yes, it's that so foreign to me. Confuses me too. Yeah. Well, I will defend my pickiness, my picky eating on the fact that I am a super taster and so oh, what that yeah. means is I have what three times as many taste buds as the typical average person. So that just means I taste bitter things much bitter and you know, so it makes it so like a lot of things that are uh-huh. too intense or they are too bitter for me. So that that's fair because I also believe that part of the reason I'm not a picky eater is um I have <laughs> basically no sense of smell. And so I can't really oh, taste okay. anything. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're like, I can't tell that this is terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. That's exactly correct. Yes. All right. Uh, Let's move on to Courtney and Antonio. So Courtney and Antonio, they're going out to eat together. Courtney tells us that she is very attracted to Antonio and she feels that there is a connection, but he hasn't made a good first impression on her. He's been texting other women and she just plain doesn't trust him. While they're out eating, Courtney gets texts from her friends reminding her that to get to the bottom of his erotic modeling pictures. Courtney asks Antonio if he's done porn, and he just seems shocked she would even ask him that. But she shows him a picture of him with the strategic angles, you know, he's naked, holding a pair of handcuffs. Antonio asks, who is that? And tells her, that's not porn. Sexy doesn't equal porn, and wonders if Courtney knows the difference. Antonio is kind of dismissive because he says she doesn't trust him, which makes him sad. Antonio says he doesn't want to discuss stupid questions and he thinks she just needs to understand and accept him. Otherwise, it's going to be a big problem. 
Courtney just accepts the pictures because, you know, she reasons that they were in the past and she decides to give him the benefit of the doubt. That is, until they go out for drinks later and Antonio seems to be checking out the waitress. Antonio claims it's because he thinks he knows her. Antonio gets a text from his sister and Courtney asks if he's told his sister about them dating. Antonio pretends he doesn't understand what Courtney asks uh, and asks if they're dating or in a relationship. After a little bit of some serious questioning, Antonio says, fine, he's her boyfriend. No sooner does he say that, but then he goes back to staring at the waitress. She calls him out on it, and he tries to charm his way out of it. He just tries to kiss Courtney, and she excuses herself to the bathroom and tells him to get the check from his boo. Courtney tells us that things are going better now. She says that she thought European men would be more family-oriented and loyal, but she's not finding that to be true of Antonio. Mm -hmm. On an outing, Antonio complains about his back and asks if he can please start sleeping in the bed. Courtney tells him as soon as he acts right, he'll win his way back into the bed. He plays up his pain and pretty much tries to get a massage out of it. Courtney then asks to meet his family and friends, but Antonio thinks it's too soon. So he says that she can meet his best friend Samuel instead. They meet up with Samuel. Courtney almost immediately brings up that Antonio flirts with women all the time with uh and Samuel doesn't want to throw him under the bus and says that that's how Spanish men are and it's cultural. Samuel says that Antonio is really nice and sweet. He's also shocked. Sorry, my notes flipped on me. What the heck? He's also shocked that Antonio and Courtney haven't had sex, but says it must be because he thinks she's important. Courtney wonders if she's being too hard on Antonio. All right. Do you think that Antonio is just being a typical Spanish guy or is this specific to Antonio and he's just a big fat flirt? Uh... Yeah, I think it's I think it's more of a second. Like he's clearly flirting with them, not being like, "Oh, this is just how we show our kindness." Like he's clearly like, it's definitely flirting. Like, uh, but and I I would guess also Samuel probably flirts just as much. And I think it's a bit of the other thing too, where it's like, well, everybody in our group like flirts like this. That just must be how Spanish men are, right? Like, yeah, we all do this. But I mean, it's just, I mean, clearly he hasn't been, this guy has not been in any big relationship before because he I is, don't think so. his, yeah. his ability to not stare at asses is very underdeveloped. I know. He's 31, 32. It's like, you think you figure it out by now. Jeez. He's like, I think I know her. Staring at her ass is not going to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> I know that ass. Depends on what he means by know her. Oh, yeah, true, true. Oh, I've seen a lot of that ass before, yes. No, I recognize her by her ass. didn't recognize her with jeans on. Yeah, exactly. Like, but yeah, you'd think you'd be used to the sideways glances, but he's just always like full head turn, like all the way. Yeah. Like, oh my oh God. Oh my gosh. He is such a dog. Like, I just, how he tries to manipulate, like, the situation, like, I think she's right. So, Courtney kind of calls him out, like, in her interview, like, I think that he pretends he doesn't know what I'm saying when he doesn't want to. Oh, yeah, totally. Selective English. Definitely selective yeah, English. Yeah, very selective English. Yeah. But maybe not the por the porn thing, a little bit less, but when she's like, I would like to meet your family, and he's like, What? I don't understand. Like, you know what that – that's like the second thing you learn when you learn English, right? That's like that's very basic. And then, she, and then she says, oh, are we dating? Like, what did you tell your sister? I don't understand what you're saying. Are we in a relationship? I don't understand what you're saying. Are we boyfriend, girlfriend? Fine, I'm your boyfriend. <laughs> God, she's going to keep asking if I, I can't play time forever. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Yeah, but, uh, you know – I wonder how much, you know, this would have come out if they had actually spoken on the phone, you know, uh -huh. and because yeah. I think the way their relationship was before she actually went there, it really lent itself to him not 
paying very close attention to her, right? Because how easy is it to send a text on your time when you're available, right? When you're like planning out a phone conversation or a video call, you know, you kind of have to coordinate times and really kind of focus on that person. You could really see like how focused on them they are. And because she never had that, I feel like she would have at least known going into this like, right. oh, okay, this guy seems to have divided attention, which seems yeah. to be her biggest complaint at this point. He's checking out other girls. He's texting other girls when you're with me. Yeah, you're, you're, but when you're, when you're communicating via text or messaging or whatever, you can, you can be, it's not, you wouldn't yeah. be able to notice. It wouldn't be different if he was checking out other girls and texting other girls and talking to other people at the same time that he was texting you. He's never had to be fully present. Um, and he seems incapable of being fully present. But I feel like on phone calls and video chats, you can kind of tell when someone's not paying attention, right? And yes. so if he's like, if a woman's walking by and he's checking them out, well, yes. maybe Especially he's not paying attention. Especially when he does his full rubberneck head turn. God, yes, you would yeah. definitely be able to tell. <laughs> but I mean, if they, even if they did phone chat, it would have been in his apartment. So you would have noticed him. He, she, he definitely would have like texted in the middle of our conversation. Though. Yes, yes. You would I definitely agree. be able to tell that. Depending on what time of day. True. Because with the yeah. time difference. Yeah. Oh, right. Because, you know, it's impossible to find a time when they're both together. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, all right. Let's hit the the, the, the big the big one. For, I think like this is the big drama one for this week. And that yeah. is Sean and Abby. So, Sean is nervously waiting in a cafe for Abby and Chris to get there for the big meeting. We switch up to Chris and Abby on the ride home from the airport with Chris still making his lovey eyes at Abby and caressing her knee and her shoulder. Um which he whispers to her as him on his best behavior. Oh, gross. Chris, it was, I had to whisper it because it sounds way more gross when you whisper it. Chris says in an interview that he hopes Sean will not see him as a threat so that, you know, the relationship between him and Abby can, can you know, between everybody can continue. They start to talk about the rash Abby has um, and Chris has recovered from. Turns out it's scabies and Sean <laughs> better get gross. treatment too or else they'll just pass it back and forth to each other. As they near the cafe where Sean is, Chris mentions that the cameras have an inhibiting effect on and Abby lies and tells him they've stopped rolling. I thought something fun, interesting was going to happen at this point, but it doesn't. Like She lied to them. The cameras are done. And they didn't. They just get out of the car. So next, it's up, next up, it's time for the long-awaited meeting. They start with a small amount of small talk and Chris starts things off saying, you know, he's happy for the two of them as Sean awkwardly sips his drink. Sean thinks, you know, this is all suspicious and that Chris is arrogant. He tries to sound casual when he asks about, you know, their past relationship between Chris and Abby. It turns out the first thing Chris reveals is a lie from Abby about how she met Chris. He said they met in a cafe and Abby had said they met online. So, Sean's next move is to ask Abby right there at the table to see her WhatsApp so he can see what, what she's been messaging to Chris today. After all... He's given her access to all of his communications. Abby refuses on the grounds that she never actually asked him to do that. So she has no obligation to show him at all. Meanwhile, Chris just gets a huge shit-eating grin on his face. Mm -hmm. Sean takes this as a sign that something fishy is going on. And his gut tells him that there's something physical going on. So he pulls out the big guns. He tells Chris he doesn't want him and Abby to have any kind of relationship at all. Because he says that Chris is poisonous to her. And she'll never be able to have a relationship with another man as long as he is in the picture. Chris is taken aback because he doesn't think of it that way. He didn't realize his meeting was going to be confrontational and that the point and that there's no point in having any more conversation. So he gets up to leave. He laments what this means from Abby and how it puts her in an impossible situation. He, but it doesn't seem like it's all that difficult a decision for Abby, who says Sean just made a big mistake and also walks away. Sean continues listening to his gut, which he claims never lies to him, and it's telling him that he'll have to go back. He'll probably end up going back to Ohio a single man in a couple of days. He leaves the cafe and runs into Chris, who's just chilling on a chair outside. He tries to engage Chris, noting noting that Chris is sticking around until after Sean leaves, and bluntly accusing Chris of using Abby as a sex toy. Chris ignores it and starts to walk away again. He doesn't engage with what Sean is saying and only says that he is not going to get involved in Sean's drama. So then Sean turns his sights to Abby 
and starts following her down the street. Eventually, he corners her and gets her to have a conversation. She's obviously frustrated over Sean's new ultimatum, especially after he said he was okay with them being friends. He tries to explain. The thing that bothers him is that she's having sex with Chris, and she'll make any excuse in the book to keep doing that. She denies it, and then he has a new point, that Abby is never going to love Sean as much as she loves she, she loves Chris, which she actually doesn't really deny. Sean lays out the situation in very direct terms now. She has to choose between the two of them. She walks away again, and Sean seems convinced that this relationship is over now, even though he says he still loves her. Unsurprisingly, Abby leaves the resort and goes to her parents' house, and Sean is now all alone in Haiti. The next day, he's staring at the ring that he bought and decides to call his friend John for advice. With John, he focuses on his unease with Chris staying in Haiti after he leaves, because he's confident that Abby is just going to go back to Chris as soon as he leaves, no matter what their situation is. He then tells John that he's still thinking of proposing to her, and John is like, <laughs> don't do that. But at the end of the day, he needs to go with his gut. All right. So, how dumb is Sean's gut? Uh, I don't think it's wrong. What I'm questioning is why does he think that – okay, forget about proposing. Why does he even think that they're still together? That is a good question because I don't – it seemed to me like that would at least be a question. Are we even together, right? Right. Yeah. She walked away. She kept on saying she didn't want to hear from him again. He's leaving a couple days. So, to me, that seems like – you should question if you're even still in a relationship. Forget the proposing part. Like, you're skipping yes. so many steps. Very many steps. I mean, he skips a lot of steps on everything because I don't I don't think that he's wrong. I don't think that his gut necessarily is wrong in that. Um, and I think the most important point and the most salient point is the last one he makes is you love him more than you love me, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, maybe you're not having sex. Like, maybe yes. you're not with him. But it's very clear that, you know. And, okay, so say he knows that, right? Oh, you love him more than me. Why is he making an ultimatum then? Right, because he knows by that you definition know what of what he says, is. you know what the answer is already. Like, and so, like, he's not wrong that I wouldn't want to be in a relationship with Abby while this while this Chris relationship sure. is. Because this Chris relationship is unresolved. It's not going to be good things, right? But at the end of the day, it just has to be like, I'm out. Like, I'm sorry. I yeah. can't do this. It, it can't be making ultimatums and yelling sex toy at Chris and like th that kind of stuff. So, it's like his gut's no. not wrong in that – Something shady is happening. Yeah. Yeah. But it's definitely wrong in how he like responds to that feeling. Yes. Uh, yeah. I absolutely agree with you because something shady is going on. Yeah. I mean, it seems so clear and obvious. Now, I get that Sean doesn't see everything that we've seen. He didn't get to see the cab ride. He didn't even get to see Abby saying that was a big mistake, right? So right. maybe he doesn't get that they're not together. But the fact that she's walking away from him, like, that should be enough to be like, okay, well, maybe. You have to choose between him and me and her response is to walk away from you. Yeah. Means she chose something. Means she didn't choose you, right? Right. Yeah, that would be my assumption. So, how are you going from there to, well, you know, should I propose now or later? It's like, no, proposing it all is off the table. Get out of here with that. Yeah, like, it, that's that's crazy. I mean, you're right. He didn't see everything. And if he saw everything, it would be even worse, right? right? Yeah. Because, like, the part where he's, like, rubbing her, like, like he does the leg thing, right? He puts her hand mm -hmm. on the leg, but he was like caressing her shoulder, and then she got like, kind of shrugged it off. And he's like, "I'm on my best behavior." And it's like, yeah. Ugh. And then was like, "These cameras are inhibiting you." Like, oh man, that's ugh. so. I don't know. Yeah, whether they actually, and that's one of those things too. That's at this point, it's like, and then with what I've seen, what what he's already been doing, and the the the, the clear intimacy he has with you, it doesn't matter mm -hmm. if you're actually having sex. Because you're clearly emotionally involved with each other. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So let's talk uh, Jesse and Darcy. So it's the morning after Darcy has spent the night in a hotel after her a big blow-up fight with Jesse. Darcy thinks that Jesse is a know-it-all, which is frustrating. Jesse was annoyed to see Darcy intoxicated. Jesse admits that he is in love, but if he doesn't see changes in her behavior, he thinks they will continue to have problems. 
Jesse meets with Darcy and he wants her to take responsibility and accountability for what happened. Otherwise, he's willing to walk away. They meet in the lobby where Jesse hugs her as Darcy cries and apologizes. She tells him she is feeling like emotions were building up and she felt claustrophobic. Jesse acts empathetic to her feelings as Darcy justifies her drinking, saying she felt controlled, freaked out, and had to let loose. Jesse says he just wanted to make sure she was safe, following her even though she ran off, apparently into the bushes. bushes. Uh, Jesse feels he is responsible for her safety here, and that's not controlling. Jesse thinks she felt that way because she was drunk, and so he asks her to promise to never drink again. Darcy says that that wasn't the issue, and she's old enough to make her own decisions. Jesse says he was scared to see her that way, and he's seen alcoholism and drinking ruin people's lives, brains, and bodies. Uh, Darcy realizes that Jesse has experienced something that has traumatized him. Jesse tries to convince her that if she can promise not to drink, that their relationship will flourish. Darcy reluctantly agrees to it, and they kiss and hug. Darcy thinks you have to fight for who you love, and as long as they communicate, they're going to be just fine. Mm. All right. Uh, Darcy agreed to, you know, Jesse's bizarro conclusion that drinking is the issue in their relationship. It's like, (laughs) you have other things wrong in this relationship. It's not just the drinking. But uh, Darcy agrees to it. Do you think that Darcy has intentions of stopping drinking when she actually agreed to it. Mm. I think she has intentions of stopping drinking in front of him. Okay, okay, fair, fair. Like I don't I don't I don't think Yeah, I don't think so. Like it, full intentions of actually never drinking again? No. And I, I'm so and I guess it is it does fit in with Darcy's personality of her desperate need to be loved that you don't mm-hmm. that she didn't push back on that because I would be like, "Wait, wait, wait. You saw me drink once?" You saw me drunk once and now you have already determined that I'm an alcoholic and must never drink again and have to forswear alcohol forever. Like, yeah. And, and because, and because, and my fear for you and what I was nervous about is that you're too controlling. Right, <laughs> like, right. And your response to my, you know, behavior that was triggered by me feeling like you're too controlling is to tell me I can never drink again. Just doesn't yeah. seem like, it seems like something that, you would push against and and she just went along with it because she's desperate. Yeah. I I don't know. I just, I don't think she has intention of following it. I think she just said it just to make him happy. You're right. Because I think she thinks that she'll lose him if she doesn't agree to it. Uh, I think it's funny that he posed it in a way that was like, this is going to resolve all our problems. You right. know, if you don't drink. They it's had like, no mm. problems. They had no problems in their relationship at all before, like, she got drunk that one time. Like, yeah, on, like, it's like, no, I don't think that's really that the does problem. fit his personality of, oh, if you just give me enough control of what's going on, I can make mm-hmm. it work and it'll work good because I've designed it. Like, he is super condescending and he is pretty narcissistic around that like i'm like Mm -hmm. well if i had control of the situation then the situation wouldn't be a problem yeah there were a couple points i agreed with him i agreed with him that he felt responsible for her safety sure you know we've all well i shouldn't say this about you mr o but you know i feel like we've all been out with that one friend that we get concerned about because they get too drunk and we just want to make sure that they make it home okay. You know, so it's, it's I, I kind of see it like that. Like Jesse says, especially if you're in a foreign country, like he yeah, feels yeah. responsible and Especially for he feels like I brought you here. Yeah, and, and yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. So I get that. Uh, I agreed with Jesse in that, uh, you know, he probably has been traumatized in, you know, he said he's seen his friends, he's seen alcoholism, maybe like even in his family, because we don't really know what Jesse's dad's situation is. Sure. You know, we know the stepdad, but not his dad. So, I mean, there there could be trauma, as Darcy kind of points out, you know, that Jesse's seen with alcoholism and he might be tying that to Darcy. Uh, but I, you know, to go completely the other way and to have her be sober, I feel like you're going to run into more issues with that. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, especially with the, I, I think the controlling thing. Like, do you really? That's that's my thing. That's why I said in front of him. Do, do, are we really supposed to believe she's gonna leave Amsterdam, go back to Connecticut with Stacy, right? and they're, they're not gonna like open a bottle of wine like as soon as she comes yeah. in? Come on, man, yeah, you know that's no, happening. That's not happening. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. And she's gonna be like, no, no, Jesse told me I I have to be done drinking now. <laughs> right. Um, I do appreciate also that Jesse was empathetic and like willing to listen to her. Like he let her kind of speak first when they had their conversation True. and he tried to comfort her. But that's about where it ends for, you know, me being Team Jesse. Yeah. He already knew where he was going with that conversation and he like, yeah. he knew what he was going to ask when he walked in regardless of what she actually said when right, she was there. Right. Yep. So true. All right, so that pretty much wraps up uh, this group for these two episodes. So who was your student of the week? Uh, my student of the week was Jenny's dad, Virgilio. Okay. For you know he he, you know he was smart. He was smart of uh, they don't know each other, and I'd like them to know each other and know him before I'll give him my blessing to get married. Um, yeah, good, smart. And then he like did the whole thing. He had the nice big pig roast for the guy. Like that, he pulled out all the stops for him, man. Right. Uh, it definitely was hard uh, for main cast. I was looking at this group yes. and I was just like, everyone oh was like kind of terrible. I feel like Jenny's was less terrible. Like she definitely could have handled that situation a lot better. But I actually went with Courtney. And I put like a big old question mark sure, after that. Totally. Uh, she she has been giving Antonio a hard time. She's been calling him out. I agree with why she's been calling him out. But in the end of at least these two uh, episodes, she's kind of said, well, maybe I've been too hard on him. I don't think she has, but at least she's willing <laughs> to be open to the idea of, okay, maybe I should, you know. Ease right, up a right. little. I mean, yeah, he definitely has that aw shucks, like, what, me? I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah, good. like, literally yeah. the picture. That Who's that? Like, yeah. It's you, asshole. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What about your dunce? Sean. Okay. Just, it, it, I mean, I, I, know, I know we got an edited version of this, but it seems like mm. it was like Chris opened his mouth and he was like, nope, I hate you. You're done. You can't be friends with her anymore. Like, and that's just a weird... Like, if you want to get out of the relationship, fine. You cannot force somebody else's relationship to end be with a friend or anybody else. So, like, yeah. you're the one with the decision to make. You can't, like, you know, impose your will on these other people. Why did Chris get – even that – why would you think, like, what would your response be? If I'm Chris, you're like, I don't want you talking to her anymore. You'd be like, well, fuck you. I don't care what you think. <laughs> like, I'm yeah. still going to talk to her. He definitely had a idea of what was going on, you know, in, ter in terms of like his attitude, right? He had attitude from the beginning. Yeah. You're right. Like from the get-go, he was – there was nothing either one of them could say or do to make him feel assured. He was in there with a – I need to see for myself how the bad it is. He was sipping that drink. It was just oh, like yeah. even, even the Fake small talk sipping drink. it. It never like moved levels. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. All right. So my dust was actually Paul. Okay. I mean, yeah. Running into the woods, like you know, seeing that you're forced to go swimming in the river when it's completely self-imposed. Like, not allowing Karini to even talk to you. Yeah, the way he wrestled the phone. No, we're not using the phone. Don't, like, don't yeah, hear what you like, what yeah. is wrong with you? Like, okay, and I would say the biggest thing that I forgot to mention before was his whole, like, you know, oh, she doesn't deserve this. It's like, okay. Then, then why did what you have come you been to Brazil? So yeah. far? What, why are you in Brazil? Why did you ask for a blessing? Like, what in the world are you doing? Now you decide that, you know, she's too good for you. You're an idiot. Yeah. It, it definitely saw, like, seemed like one of those times, like the, you know, going for sympathy. I'm a terrible mother. Like, no, oh, you're gosh. Not. You're great. Yeah. Right. And it was all like him, right? Nothing had happened. She, it wasn't anything she said. It was all of a sudden he got it like in his head. She shouldn't be with me. I'm going to make this decision for her. And it's just like, okay, why were you wasting everybody's time up until this point then? Yes. Why did you Stupid. fly all the way to Brazil to make the decision that you're too, you're not good enough for her? Oh my gosh. I know. We could have told you that a long time ago. Save well, us all yeah, a season. Well. A lot of seasons. We could save a lot yeah, of seasons know, right? because it's still true. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What about your life lesson? 
All right, so my life lesson goes uh, kind of to Patrick. Not kind of to Patrick, definitely to Patrick. No matter <laughs> how much you kind of justify it in your own head or what methods you use to do it, if you're trying to end a relationship so that you can date one of the people in the relationship, like you're not being a nice guy. You're not yeah. being a good dude. Like you're not yeah. being generous and kind. Whatever. Like, oh, I'm just trying to look out for her because I'm nice. You're not. You're being an asshole. Right. Yeah, that's true. Okay, uh, my life lesson is uh, aim towards Sean. Uh, when people walk away, just let them go. Um, if they're doing it for attention, you're just reinforcing bad behavior. If they're doing it to get away from you, you should give them their space. And, you know, if, you know, you've had some time and space and you want to reach out later, you know, it's better to do it later than in the heat of the moment. Just let them walk away. Yeah, but he didn't want him to walk away. He wanted Chris to say something bad. <laughs> oh, I was talking about with Abby. Oh, with Abby. Oh, yeah. 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 Because, you know, sometimes there are some people who are like, I'm going to walk away for attention and, you know, yeah. like to get I'm gonna you to make follow you call, me. I'm going to get you to follow me. You're going to have to call out my name. Yeah, yeah. 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 But sometimes they really are genuinely trying to get away with, with, from you. So, you know, but either way, it's not a good idea to follow. Okay. So, uh, I think we're wrapping up soon in these next two episodes. So, we have a couple more episodes and then the tell-alls, right? And then the tell-all. Yep. Yeah. All right. So, we'll be back next week with the next two episodes, 11 and 12. Yep. Okay. And then we'll see you then. See everybody then. Okay. Okay. Right, bye. bye.